Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 345. On this episode, we've got some cancellation and renewal news, and then we'll be discussing recent episodes of The Flash, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Atlanta, The Good Place, and Westworld. That's kind of an eclectic list of shows that we've got there, plus some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 345. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Mike Moody from MarvelTVPodcast.com and Mr. Roboto. And Randy Lander from TVDudes.com and BeachCopDetectives.com. All right. Thank you both for joining me on episode 345 to talk a little TV. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a few episodes behind on Beach Cop Detectives, but I'm enjoying uh, listening to the interviews. I'm, I'm sort of a... Well, I'm a big fan of the show. Maybe not quite as big as you, but, <laughs> but that's a that's a high bar to clear. But I uh, I really like the podcast. I really like the behind the scenes type stuff of the with the interviews. Very much looking forward to the one with the creator. It's been really entertaining to be able to talk to all these people and get that sort of behind the scenes. Especially uh, Kelly Wheeler, who was one of the people in production, gave me a lot of insight into how things worked. And Ted Griffin, the creator of Terriers recently sent me a little uh, video section that uh, will be going up on the site soon that I think you guys will enjoy. It's a little behind-the-scenes tidbit. Cool. Nice. Yeah, that's that's been a great podcast. And, Randy, I'm going to take a page from you. You're a great uh, promoter. That's a Terriers podcast. You can find that at BeachCopDetectives.com. You can also find it at PermanentRecord.com, which is the network site for the show. It's PermanentRCRD.com. And Jason, like you know, we have a bunch of uh, TV podcasts there, so check it out. Yeah, and uh, since it's your first time on TV Times 3 here, Randy, I'll ask you the question that we ask all first-time guests, and that's uh, what were the show or shows that, you know, either as a kid or whenever it was that, you know, sort of got you hooked on TV that became such a, a big TV fan that you would ultimately end up wanting to podcast about it? You know, it's funny. When I was a kid, I was a very casual watcher. Like, I remember watching Three's Company and that kind of thing. And then in college, I sort of went off TV entirely. I wasn't watching anything for a couple of years there. And it was X-Files and Simpsons that brought me back in. And I those and then and then Seinfeld, I transitioned to that. So those were sort of the big ones for me. And post-college, I started watching Friends. And I know it's not cool as a TV director to admit you like Friends, but I liked Friends. What are you talking about? And, Friends uh, is the best. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I have some friend haters among my among my group. <laughs> well, how you doing? Yeah. Is, that, is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I over the weekend I got sucked into a blooper uh, reel YouTube videos of a bunch of stuff from friends that somebody posted like one, and pretty soon I'd watch like eight. Yeah, it, it, it's like that. It's I mean, <laughs> once it went on Netflix, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm watching this now. Uh, but the the thing that really that really transitioned me from being sort of a fairly casual TV watcher to the aficionado I'd consider myself now is the Shield on FX. I remember what I was watching, but I saw this ad for the for what was then called Rampart, I believe, when the ad aired, and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I got to see that, and that sort of woke me up to wow, TV can be can be this and from there it's been just a you know keeping track of every cable network and watching every possible show that's coming up and sort of being on the on the curve of all this peak tv we're in i've been keeping a running list i think we're somewhere in the neighborhood of like 160 something just new shows that have premiered or will premiere by the end of the year 
on top of you know all the returning shows that'll make it somewhere between 450 and 500 scripted TV shows that are on broadcast cable, premium cable, or the major streaming networks. At this point, I'm letting Cartoon Network raise my kids because I don't have time. I got to <laughs> I got to watch TV. I got to keep up. All right. Well, with that, we'll move on to first segment. A few uh, news items uh, that came out over the last week. Uh, CBS announced that they have canceled American Gothic and Brain Dead uh, after the first season of each of those. Uh, but good news, folks. Zoo will still be back for a third season <laughs> next summer. Weren't these shows, I think, wasn't Brain Dead supposed to be a one and done? I don't know if it was how how some of these things are supposed to work. In lots of different things in TV, if all of a sudden there's a bunch of people watching it, something that was supposed to be one and done turns into <laughs> yeah. uh, something else. Yeah, you're never quite sure. Sometimes you see it like, oh, it, was it canceled or was it only supposed to be one season or was it, you know, could it have been, you know, something else? I don't know. Brain Dead was the, you know, sort of the follow up for the, uh, you know, the Good Wife creators and it didn't exactly uh, do quite as well. And uh, American Gothic didn't do so great either, but Zoo apparently keeps packing them in <laughs> at the at the at the summer. I actually was. Uh, I, I'm still. I'm still planning on watching Brain Dead. It's one of those things that's fallen behind because there's so much stuff. But I've had numerous people tell me how good it is, and it's it's one of those that, I, as you might have guessed from my love of terriers, I'm good with a one season one season great <laughs> show and out. I'm good with that. Yeah, it has a really interesting cast. I mean, what Tony Shalhoub and uh, who's the lead in that? It was somebody, uh, Mary Elizabeth. Mary Winstead. Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, it had a really good cast, and it has a. It has sort of a weird premise, but also one in which that they, I think, you know, were trying to get at doing some, you know, lampooning of DC. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It didn't. I watched the first. I can't remember if I watched the second one. I watched at least the first episode and it didn't initially like grab me enough, you know, with all the other things that I was planning on catching up with over the summer that I was like, yeah, I don't. I'm not going to add this. I'm not going to add this in. I don't know. That's that's sort of where we are at this day and age. Is there's with so much TV, the mediocre inter, kind of entertaining show that you used to watch is no longer like don't have time for that <laughs> anymore. Yeah, it's it's true. Good good is no longer good enough. It's got to be great to get your attention. But yes, but talking about great TV. The CW has renewed Masters of Illusion, Penn and Teller Fool Us, and Whose Line Is It Anyway to return next summer. So I do not or will not watch these shows, so no thanks. The, the, I'm a big CW booster. Like I love the CW. I think they've got great stuff, not just the DC superhero stuff, but Crazy Ex-Girlfriend came back, and I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and I yeah. want to watch No Tomorrow. I want to watch Frequency. I have not heard of two of these shows, and I've rarely watched the other one. So, <laughs> are these shows they only air during the summer? Yeah, they only something? they only pretty much air during the summer. I think occasionally they okay. might air some Who's Line or something like that at another time, but they've mostly been, you know, summer. Who's shows. hosting that now? Who's hosting that now? Is that Wayne Brady? It's Aisha Tyler. Actually. Aisha Tyler hosts oh. Who's Line. Uh, Allison Hannigan hosts Penn and Teller Fool Us, and what? Dean Kane hosts what? Masters of Illusion. Okay, not surprised what? that they're one. <laughs> yeah, still, but Willow is hosting. Wow, that's cool. Well, maybe it's not cool for her. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, she's got that How I Met Your Mother money. She's doing all right. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have to do this. Yeah, she doesn't have to be center square. Come maybe, on. Maybe she likes magic. I don't know. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. And then next up, uh, Freeform has canceled Guilt after one season, which, not surprised, that show was terrible. Uh, apparently, it does give you an answer to who committed the murder, but also leaves you with multiple other cliffhangers <laughs> that were supposed to be so, picked up later on. And... So, Jason, this news item is proof that you watch everything on TV, because <laughs> what the hell is Freeform? What the hell is guilt? Uh, Freeform <laughs> used to be ABC Family. But yeah, I don't know. There's the occasional, there's the occasional good thing on, uh, well, Freeform now. I mean, it had an interesting... You know, a somewhat interesting cast. It had uh, Anthony Head and, uh, you know, speaking of people from Buffy, and uh, it also had uh, Billy Zane and, and stuff, but it was just uh, incredibly stupid. Like, uh, so many things that they that they did. It was, it was supposed to sort of be a, a take of, like, the Amanda Knox type of story. Hmm. A college girl gets accused of murder in a foreign country uh, type thing. But, yeah, just... Uh, so many things were just not, not right about it, uh, and it seems about right that the way the way they the way the first episode was is they set up this whole thing and then they dropped like six other mysteries in like the last five minutes of the premiere that all of a sudden were supposed to hook into the main thing, and so I can totally see that they left a bunch of <laughs> while they may have solved the main case they had plenty of other stuff to just leave. Uh, hanging wide open. You know what this means, right? Plenty of room for that guilt fanfic we're all working on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, no, this means uh, plenty of room for bunheads to come back. Room on the schedule. Oh, yeah. Because Freeform used to be, what, ABC Family, right? Yeah. 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 See, it's, there's occasionally they have something that's worth watching. So you and got... then they immediately cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they cancel it whether it's good or bad. <laughs> Just, you know. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Give them points for consistency, then. That's right. Right. You know, or it's Pretty Little Liars and it hangs around for seven seasons. Oh, is that not a CW show? No. Oh, that's... wow. In my head, that was a CW show. <laughs> in in, well, in an amount, of, in what I thought about Pretty Little Liars, which is not at all odd. But... Well, it, it kind of well, fits with the, like, in the yeah. vein of, like, Vampire Diaries or, yeah. or stuff okay. like that. But, yeah. Yeah, it is a CW show, but it's not on the CW. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then lastly... Uh, CISO has renewed Harmon Quest for a second season. Hooray! If you're a Dan Harmon fan, or if you know what CISO is, that might just be another season of a show for you. Can I tell you guys, I'm kind of mad at CISO for existing. <laughs> because yeah. they've got so many shows I want to watch, including Harmon Quest. And I've watched the first episode on YouTube. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have time for another network. Don't exist. I don't have time for this. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like... and. I think you can add it on your Hulu package. I'm not sure. Yeah, or one of yeah, those things. Something like yeah. that, yeah. And I'm like, maybe if I do that, I won't feel like I'm subscribing to another network. It'll just kind of slip in with my rotation, you know, if it just shows <laughs> up on Hulu. So I might just do that. That's starting to be a, a thing, whether you're Hulu or Amazon Prime. They've started adding all the other, all these other things that you can just add on to your existing subscription to start getting additional services like the showtimes and and various things like that so i don't know 
pretty soon we're all going, you know, even the cord cutters are going to be back to spending, you know, a hundred bucks a month. On, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. On TV by the time they subscribe to all the online versions of everything, you know, when they add in their CBS all access and uh, everything else. But at least it'll be less like paying for all the channels you don't want. I think that was all the gripe about about cable was always like, I'm paying $100 a month. I'm watching 10 channels. If you're paying $100 a month for 15 channels of quality content, that's – I mean it's yeah. more expensive, but it's more worth it. It's That's, that's, that's true. That's, that's true. But it, it every once in a while though, there was always the thing of like, oh, hey, wait. There's actually uh, – well, now it's it's ridiculous where every – like network is is adding a new scripted show but there was a time where you're like there was a network that you weren't really watching but you're like oh hey that looks interesting there's a new show to watch over there yeah we're like what's what's this what's this mad men on this movie channel yeah <laughs> I, mean, I never watch amc and then all of a sudden you're like yeah what's this mad men breaking bad uh so you know i don't know there's uh pros and cons to to both but that'll that'll do it for the news uh, before we go way off the deep end, because we could just sit here and talk about the expansion of TV forever. But mm-hmm. instead, we'll narrow it down to our prime time segment and a specific five shows that we're going to talk about. As I mentioned, The Flash, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Atlanta, The Good Place, and Westworld. I've got a through line for you here, by the way. <laughs> you've got... A, you've got... Yeah, this is a tour of five places. We're going through Brooklyn, Atlanta, The Good Place, Westworld, and Central City. Okay. It's uh, quite, the, uh, quite the trip we're about to take. That we'll start in Central City with The Flash. Season 3, Episode 3, Magenta, is the last episode to air before this recording. And uh, we'll start with you, Mike. What are you thinking about this whole uh, Flashpoint stuff and what they're doing here in Season 3? It's all right. I like this episode. It sort of returned us to the status quo villain of the week thing that we usually get from the Flash. But it also pushed the mythology forward. It progressed pretty much all the character plot lines going going on this season, which was not really – it wasn't really earth-shattering TV. And it certainly was not the Flash at its best, but – it was pretty solid. I, I expect this to be, from what we've gotten so far, these first few episodes, I think this is going to be another really fun season. Uh, even so, even though we still have to deal with stuff like uh, dumb CW stuff, like retrograde romantic plot lines, uh, I don't know, the thorny paper-thin depictions of abuse victims, <laughs> like like Magenta <laughs> was in this episode. It was just like, come on, that stuff's dumb. Um, but it's still a fun show. Um I think the Flashpoint, I guess the plot line is, is going to reverberate a lot more than I thought it would after watching that first episode. So that's kind of cool. Um, but I'm enjoying it. I mean, not so much that I am going to be watching every week uh, after this episode. I'll probably just let them kind of pile up and binge them towards the end of the season. Uh, but yeah, Flash is still solid. I still like it. How are you, Randy? You know, I'm I'm in kind of the same place. I um I wasn't crazy about the Flashpoint stuff because I'm tired of Barry time traveling, but they yeah. use that as a way to sort of wrap that whole thing up and go back to Flash is this show kind of like X-Files was where the Monster of the Week episodes are way more interesting than their arc usually is. And I thought that getting to see Magenta, who is an established DC character, by the way, she's a – in the comics, she's an older girl with a split personality who has been a, a girlfriend of Wally West – 
And I liked this take on her as sort of a, a younger, troubled teen uh, coming into Barry's life. Um, and I thought they did a good job of the special effects. And I love what they did with Jesse Quick. Oh, yeah. She was great. I forgot to mention her. She, I don't know the actress's name, but she is very charismatic, does a great job. Um, you know, give her her own spinoff show. The CW seems to be pretty spinoff crazy. <laughs> Jesse Quick she, is awesome. I want to see her in that costume. Yeah, and well, we're gonna. I think we're gonna see it next week. But she's she's another female lead, and this isn't really where they're going with it. But she's another female lead who has more chemistry with Barry than Iris. Yes, indeed. <laughs> they're they're trying so hard to make Fetch happen. <laughs> Fetch is never gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm sort of ambivalent on this whole Flashpoint thing. The, it yeah. it really bothered me in the first episode because back this season because I don't I don't get it like I don't care how many times they draw on the clear board I don't really like understand uh, <laughs> why like I get the okay went back here and changed things and that made a new timeline I get that okay I put it back and made another new timeline that I don't understand why it would be so significantly different for certain things and then why you have even with the explanation of the uh, the cracked cup that when you crack it and you put it back together it's not quite the same type of thing i don't i don't really get that i i i still have no idea where where the reverse flash exists like how what is going on how that all worked uh, i have there's so many things that just sort of i go what i did like that this sort of gets it back to the uh, apparently he's going to just be like, okay, I, I messed this up. Uh, but, uh, every time I go back, it just messes up more. So I'm going to stop doing that. Apparently. I mean, he said that multiple times. So are we really supposed to believe that he's done that? Uh, the whole thing with, he's now sort of like if they, if Cisco ever finds out about the other timeline, find out that his brother used to be alive and is now dead because of what Barry changed and then put back. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's on the other side of things, there's, there's kind of interesting things like she's not telling everybody that she's turning into killer frost, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, she's sort of holding back on that info. Uh, so, you know, that's a little different. Uh, the having to deal with Julian is on the, you know, the, the CSI front uh, type of thing is sort of interesting. But the problem I'm having with – I'm assuming that Alchemy is a character from the comics that they've that they've pulled out. But the problem I'm having with that character is that I watched Teen Wolf and last the last couple seasons they had a, the uh, bad guys, you know, or the big problem were the Dread Doctors, which were these steampunk-wearing group of people that could all, all of a sudden appear in places – and we're also trying to create people with abilities. And <laughs> so I feel like I've seen this already. Yeah, Alchemy, is a, Al Alchemy in the comics is a very different character. He's a guy who has the Philosopher's Stone and can transmute elements. This is a weird take on him. I'm calling it now that Julian is Alchemy. I'm just going to say, I mean, <laughs> he's the new guy. He's a jerk. He's probably Alchemy. And I hope they don't wait 20 episodes before they tell us. Yeah, that was yeah. the thing I thought, too, except I also thought that if so – how much of a moron is he to 
put himself in danger and and I guess hoped that somebody was going to save him or something. Or uh, when he when he goes yelling at the at the troubled girl, that seemed like one of those scenes that was potentially there to make you think that he's not. Yeah. See, those are the those are the kind of things I ignore on this show. Yeah. I ignore I ignore all the details that never really add up or make sense. Yeah, because because uh, at the end they'll feel like something you where you to. go, those things don't make any sense. Like. Yeah. He wouldn't have done this, this, or this if this was the case. Yeah. No, no you, you'll yeah. go crazy and start hating the show if you start yeah. nitpicking that way. Just like sit yeah. back, have fun, you know, uh, watch it for what yeah, it is. Yeah, I enjoy the the character interactions and you know that type of stuff, and so I'm glad that that's kind of back to the the status quo. Now I'm just waiting for why I'm why am I blanking on the the crossover? No, no, on a. The the guy that played the character name Kid Flash the the son oh Wally oh, Wally West yeah, Wally West I totally blanked on his name uh, now I'm just waiting for Wally West to uh, for whatever reason he's gonna get it seems like there he's on a crash course to end up as uh, somebody with alchemy since he had powers in the other sure in, yeah in, he's in, gonna in go the, in the other timeline and he seems hell bent on he's gonna go to alchemy to get powers <laughs> on on getting oh, powers and so. We have that to look forward to, and yeah, uh, some of it is kind of interesting. From the Barry keeps running upon things that like he has no, you know, no actual memory of. Uh, but I think the biggest problem I have with the show is after you know the particle accelerated explosion that created the metas and gave Barry his abilities. All subsequent bad guys and problems have been a direct result of Barry. <laughs> like he just keeps making things worse. Like he keeps having to save the day, but from things that he's made happen. So I would really like that to not be a thing by the end of the season, that whatever new thing comes, it's not as a result of, especially him going back to try and save his mother or something like that. Yeah, no, he needs to stop going back in time for sure. Well, I think it's interesting because part of the story they're trying to tell uh, is kind of how Eobard Thawne is really has manipulated Barry from the beginning. And I think he's still manipulating him and will manipulate him all the way to the end uh, to make these mistakes and to make these things happen for a certain end. You know, I think that's that's part of that. So I, I think that's pretty interesting, actually. But, yeah, I do see your point. It's like, come on, man, stop messing up. <laughs> well, it's like. You know, every every season, you say, you know, I'm the fastest man alive. I'm the only one that can solve this problem that I Because created. I made the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> my bad, my bad. Is, is, yeah, is, is a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little, a little bit too much for me. I don't, I'm hoping now, like, once I sort of, you know, after a few episodes, I sort of get used to the new normal. Because that's the other thing I don't like is we've spent two seasons getting to know these characters and then they sort of tweak them and mm-hmm. they did have the episode now that they all decided to you know once Barry came clean that they all decided that they didn't really want to know about the you know their other the other timeline thems or whatever and that they just you know forgive and forget and it sort of put everybody back to much closer to their uh, original you know personalities that you've you've grown to know over the that time cuz that's the thing i hated about the potential of this was like, okay, we spent two years getting to know these characters and now just like that, they're different and we have to get to know them again and maybe not like them uh, in this incarnation or something. And 
So at least they've sort of, uh, sort of gone back from that. But yeah, the whole time I'm just like, yeah, Julian's alchemy, right? <laughs> like, you know, like the, yeah, like, yeah. Because it it just seems like the way they do things on this show that there's not going to be a reveal of somebody in a mask. I mean, what's the point of putting them in a mask if they're not going to reveal later on that they're somebody that you already have seen on the show at some point? So yeah, I'd be. More than happy for that not to happen, though, because I'd be more than happy for this show to go someplace that would be a big surprise. Yeah, yeah let's follow Jesse Quick to Earth 2, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, a whole other spinoff where you just uh, her dealing with the uh, metas and things in the... Uh... Yeah, and she can take uh, Cisco with her. <laughs> no, Cisco can't go. Cisco can't go anywhere. We need him. No, I mean uh, to the new Jesse Quick show. I know, but then they leave the Flash behind. It's just it's just not going to work. All right, you got to have right. Cisco on the Flash. Just clone unless Cisco unless then. we can unless we can draft. Can we draft Felicity from Arrow and just save her from that? And I'm good with that. Yes, that is a better plan. <laughs> that is a much better plan. Yeah, send her to Earth too with Jesse Quick, or we're bringing her to Flash and sending... yeah, Felicity goes to Flash because she's got chemistry with Barry. So you can have you could have the Barry and and, and Felicity stuff, and then you can yes. send Cisco to Earth too because he he worked really well on Earth too. That'd be perfect. There we go. We've uh, once again we fixed the shows here on TV Times <laughs> Three. <laughs> Done. All right, and with that, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which is Brooklyn Nine Nine, Season Four, Episode Five, Halloween Four. And uh, start with you, Randy. What did what did you think of? this year's competition to see who oh man i uh i love this episode i'm a big fan of like the cheers bar wars episodes and i love a running gag and the halloween episodes have been just the gift that keeps on giving i love what they did here with uh, gina i love what they did with terry where they were setting him up and they set him up in such a way where like you know terry's not really behind it at the same time they're really pointing you that way and that misdirection was so effective because i did not see the gina reveal coming and then Gina giving a uh, gap-tooth missing uh, master plan speech to them <laughs> was so much fun. I also yeah, I, I also love good. Raymond Holt when Holt is is like lets loose a little bit and is fun. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. always love that because it's so out of character for him and it's hilarious. Yeah, I love this episode. I I can't believe Brooklyn Nine Nine can already be described as one of our best veteran comedies on TV because it feels like yeah. it just premiered last year, but it's been on for, like, this is a fourth season. I can't believe yep. it. But and, but it, it kind of makes sense because it's been on so long that it's really fun where they can, like, we know these characters already, so it's fun where they can do an episode like this where the characters can be paired off in unexpected ways and there can be, like, this weird, funny conflict between all of them. Like you said, Randy, these Halloween episodes are always full of, like, the great sight gags the running jokes. This one just kept the tra tradition going. Really good stuff. I love this show. This is one of my favorite comedies. Yeah, the uh, the not a male prostitute that he hired to impersonate yeah. uh, Charles. That was <laughs> the gift that kept kept, kept giving. Yeah. I like what you know. Uh, the first time that Jake touches him, he just kind of mumbles his safe word. You know, <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, don't touch me. Are you digging the show, Jason? I really like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's one of my favorite comedies right now. I look forward to I look forward to it each each week. It just has, like you said, it has great chemistry between, you know, they've really developed great chemistry between these characters uh, you know, and these actors and and anytime they have these 
these things that they pop, that pop back up. The whole thing of finding out that Gina had knocked out her two front teeth years <laughs> earlier and nobody knew, but allowed her to do this ruse. But also the the things like that she dressed like Amy to hide in plain sight, like, <laughs> like in and was there like the whole time. That type of stuff was <laughs> was really funny. Oh, and I loved Rose. I loved Rosa getting on board with Amy's plan. I always love Rosa and Amy together. Yeah, because yeah, she's like, I'm, I'm all on board. Like <laughs> you won last year. I'm, I'm I want to win. I'm all on board with this. Whatever your crazy plan is, including like she had read like all kinds of. <laughs> you know, she read the binders. <laughs> the binders. Yeah. And, and that everything. was like one of the coolest things about this episode because you had those two characters teaming up, which it's always fun when they do, but they don't always team up, and then you separated. Uh, Boyle and Jake and you had you know Jake with the the fake Boyle and uh, yes yeah and Boyle with uh, uh, with Holt which never happens and that was a great pairing too you know we, we know these characters so well and we're so comfortable with their dynamic that when they change it up you know it, it's just uh, I don't know it's just some extra fun you know and it's perfect for a Halloween episode to do that to kind of just switch it up a little bit and throw in all these weird hijinks I love these Halloween episodes. Yeah. I wish every sitcom had Halloween episodes. I mean, most yes. of them do, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I've all, I've always enjoyed the, the special themed episode around a holiday or something like that. As you go through, you go, jumping back to friends. Some of my favorite episodes are like Thanksgiving or Halloween. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You know? Roseanne, <laughs> you know, type, Roseanne traditionally had the great ones. Yeah. And so, yeah, stuff, stuff like that. I, I like, but I really like the whole reveal where she's going through and telling the story and then showing how she manipulated Holt into getting Boyle on his team so it would break up him and and Jake and you know all the little all the little things that she did to show that and then the you know the the changing of the award name at the at the end as she's like sitting there in her like <laughs> royal costume I don't know I just really like the show that and like you said, they have such good chemistry that you can pair them off any which way these days. And, you know, and you still get, you know, like the occasional, you know, Scully or Hitchcock have something, you know, some line or some such thing that's that's always really good as well. And so it everything just works really well on the show. And I really like that. And I, it's one of those shows, though, that I've... I really don't understand why it hasn't become bigger, like why it, it never got a huge audience. You know, some people had, you know, some problems with some of the, the stuff in the first few episodes, but they they pretty quickly gelled together and figured out that this should be an ensemble. Uh, and once they did, it's really taken off as a quality sitcom, and but yet not ratings wise or or people watching it wise but yet at least good enough to keep it on fox year after year so yeah well i mean uh, the people like kevin can wait you know they don't oh. like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know i mean uh, well i'm interested to see same, tonight same how much rat, they yeah. actually do <laughs> so yeah uh since since kevin can wait won't be getting its lofty lead-in of the big bang theory I'm really interested in seeing how it does leading off the night, followed by one of our friends, Matt LeBlanc, in Man with a Plan. 
Oh, Lord. It all comes back to friends in this episode. All right. So we'll move on from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and sort of switch things up here a little bit and talk Atlanta. Season one, episode eight, The Club. Before we talk about Atlanta, I actually didn't get a chance to catch up on this one over the weekend. So I'm going to let you guys chat about it. How much of it have you watched? I watched like the first uh, six to seven, six or seven episodes. So you're you're almost caught up with uh, with it. Just almost. What is? Yeah. What do you think about the show like so far? It's phenomenal television. It's it's auteur television. It's one guy's vision, uh, one guy's voice, and really just creating a wonderful world. I mean, everything about it. It's it's it makes sense. It's like the template for an FX show. There, there's a great mind behind it a great star in front of it, but he creates uh, something that's really unique and boundary pushing. And I think something that we need, we really need right now, uh, a type of show that subverts your expectations of what it's about, but that is constantly engaging and entertaining. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed for not, not being up on it, but you know, I'm only like an episode or two behind, but it's a great show. So how about you, Randy? What is, what was the, let's see the club. What was the previous episode before the club? Was that the one with the? It was the Montague. It was B A N. The the Montague well, episode. Montague episode, and then the one before yeah. that was the charity basketball. Yes, I think so. I feel like the the van episode, the one that was for sort of focused on van value, might have been in there somewhere. But I can't remember if that was before or after the the charity basketball. Yeah, I watched I, wa- I watched the last four in uh, over the weekend all in a row. So I, they've they sort of all run together a little bit for me, but. What are what are you thinking about the sh- about the show so far? Uh, honestly, it's it's between. Oh, I should say, you're the worst. Is my favorite show on TV, so it's it's got a un, unrealized, unrealistically high rating for me. It's my favorite show right now. But for anyone else, it's between Atlanta and Westworld. I think, and you can make an argument for either one as the best show on TV right now. They're both really, really good. So I, I'm I'm in love with this show. I think it does. Yeah, what FX does well, which is it's got. This, this vision, it's it can go to different places. Like there is nothing more different than the BAN show that was all the Montague show. And then you go to Van's episode and then you go to Charity Basketball and then you go to this episode, which is really kind of a straightforward episode. It's just them and hanging in the club. But even then, it's got that little mix of surreal, like the the club owner consistently ditching out on uh, on Earn gets funnier and funnier. And when he vanishes through that wall panel, I about died laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, yeah that that was pretty good. I I think what's interesting about this show is that it has a through arc, like there's a continuing story, but like each episode sort of hits on something. The club sort of hit on you know club life, and they're trying to get paid for making an appearance, but yet they've got some big, more famous person there that you know right is sort of taking all the attention, and then you know they have the the promoter that. Or the you know the club owner or whatever that's not wanting to pay them and then tries to you know short them and then they go to get their money and then a shooting happens and now he's wanted for armed robbery instead of just right. paying their money and so it always ends up in a in an interesting place and, and makes you think about uh, something. I mean the Montague episode was phenomenal. Was just <laughs> yeah. Like the whole discussion and the whole thing, but yet the fake commercials that led in and out yeah. <laughs> of those 
the you know the Dodge Charger bit and all all of that stuff. That was it was sort of weird in that it was so different, yet it still was playing off of something you know from a previous episode where he went on that tweet storm, and even though he told him you know don't it, it can only make it worse, right? You know, like don't do that, and then he just did it anyways. And so they're still playing off of something from there, but then also you know, getting into various different cultures that they were talking about and various different things. But then talking about the throwing in the transracial where they had the black guy that thought he was a 35 year old white guy. That was amazing. (laughs) And was thinking about getting the surgery. Yeah, that, that was, and then it turned out, you know, (laughs) that guy was really the homophobic transphobic one. Right. Uh, and, you know, just they they toss all these things on their head. And then but the whole also the the interview process of where, you know, the guy keeps trying to take things and turn it into something like really bad, even though it's not nearly as bad as that. He's trying to make something sensational or, you know, trying to get turn something I- into something. Right. When the two when the two of them start agreeing and he's yeah. like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's just trying to make. You know, he's just trying to, like, either piss people off or try and, you know, tweak things or make things sound, you know. And so it had it had all these different levels of, you know, sort of tweaking at the media and then also, you know, tweaking at various beliefs and, you know, touching on the, you know, the homophobic rapper and, you know, all these so many different things in this completely, uh, you know, bizarre, like, kind of local Atlanta talk show type thing or something was fantastic. But like each episode hits on that when they had the episode with the charity event, they have the black Justin Bieber rapper. Yeah. Who's, who's doing all of the lame things that the real Justin Bieber has done, except that he's a rapper in this world. You know, the thing is, that's the kind of thing that Louis CK did on Louis where he just, (laughs) he would just, do things like that that are a little bit surreal and you just kind of go with it and them being willing to do that kind of thing and have that in their world means that you can do things like that commercial that they did where just like it ends with a dude in no pants talking about losing his car (laughs) keeping his car in the divorce i mean all that surreality and even the club which is a fairly straightforward episode there's something surreal about uh, the way that Ern is chasing down that guy, and the way he vanishes off out of him, it's almost a horror movie esque the way the guy vanishes out of him like three times. And the the level when the guy the other rapper buys the bar so that how they have to shut it down. That's <laughs> yeah. a surreal moment, but it fits in the world of Atlanta. Yeah. He buys the bar and then leaves. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A, yeah, that was that was pretty good. But the whole thing of you know, like he was chatting up the girl the whole time and you know, thought maybe there was a little bit of a connection, and then she was just like, "What? Yeah, we had a good time. Isn't that what you were here for?" You know, and then and then leaves, and and the funny th- the the funny thing is, she's not wrong. Neither neither the people who give the, the sort of pep talk to our leads is wrong. Like the bartender's right that Ern is trying to hold himself above these people, even he's trying to be part of this world. And the girl's right in that, like she's like, "Hey, I know you know you wanted us to go and and hang out, but." You wanted to hang out with a pretty girl and and have someone who who like pay attention to you. That's what I did. You got what you want. Yeah, we had fun, had a conversation. Now I'm leaving because I have a boyfriend. It's like I just think he has such an interesting uh, sort of view on things, 
And is it his, is it his brother that's like the co-writer or like one of the writers on the show? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% clear on who all's behind the camera here. I just know that it's a lot of people. I don't, I don't know. I know that it's a... Yeah, I keep seeing somebody with the same last name pop up as, you know, written by, you know, in some of the episodes when it pops up and stuff. And so, but yeah, it just, it's always interesting when at the end of an episode it pops up or somewhere along the line it pops up and it's like, you know, written by, executive produced by, you know, created by, and like... Donald Glover's name shows up in like four or five like different spots. That almost seems like a joke in itself. Like you, you know, like when you've created your own thing, you you put yourself in as like all the different, all the different things. Like you know, short of uh, being the director of an episode. But I didn't know what to make of the show because I thought the ads were like terrible, almost uh, terrier esque, in that they mm-hmm. told you absolutely nothing about what the show was going to be. Except that apparently it was going to be odd. I literally had no idea like what the show was from the ads, uh, and then you know you like read the synopsis and it's you know about a, a guy that's trying to you know make it through and with his you know rapper cousin and stuff like that in Atlanta, but that still doesn't that just gives you the baseline sort of story point of where they're starting from, not what the show actually is. I'm not sure how exactly you could advertise what the show is exactly either but uh i'm glad that i did check it out yeah i think that's i think that's the larger issue they have is that those sort of surreal kind of funny ads the one they had where they were all watching people versus oj simpson and uh he's like oh i that was not i expected that to end they're like that's a true story like that was a funny little ad that give you a sense of the feel of the show but it doesn't tell you what the show's about because i don't know yeah how you do the what you got to do is get people into the field you can't sell it on what it is because i don't know how you do that ad i'm not even sure if i saw that ad i the most of the ads i saw were the ones where they clearly filmed them you know like walking in a different direction and then played the video the other direction so it looked weird as they were walking through the you know through through the neighborhood and things like that and it was stuff like that where I was just like, what is this show yeah. going to be? Sure. But yeah, it has such an interesting perspective on things that it is both entertaining and will make you laugh from time to time, but then also makes you think. Like the episode when the one guy, you know, like just off by himself, decides to go to the shooting range and he pulls out the target of the dog. Yeah, just a little gag in the middle of it, yeah. And all the, the, you know, like the sort of like the redneck people are like, hey, uh, you can't have you shooting a dog. And he's like, you were just shooting at like a Mexican with a knife <laughs> in yours. And yeah. you don't know the dogs like from my neighborhood, which is actually worse, you know, type of thing. And then the the people that come to like back him up and then they're sort of like, wait, are these sort of like these yeah. guys are like some sort of weird like uh, like they go off the deep end off the other other direction and and ultimately that guy gets you know thrown out even though he was just minding his own business <laughs> he didn't right uh, he didn't do anything it's, it's little stuff like that where you actually it was kind of funny but it also made you think about like yeah uh which is weirder shooting at the target dog or some of the other targets that they you know that they have at the shooting range that people are shooting at and it's just right. it's little things like that that they pull out that that sort of encompasses the, you know, it was funny, you know, the whole thing where he's being taken out at gunpoint, but just like, wait, wait you, you still have my ID. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. 
and then he, you know he's on his way. But yeah, it's stuff like that that uh, you know it makes you think a little bit. And yeah, and I'm 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 very much enjoying the the first season so far. Yeah, it's been great. All right, so now we need to uh, get Mike back in here. Right, you can tell him it's a, it's a spoiler safe zone. Hey, did you guys discuss who Negan killed already? Uh, yeah, on Atlanta, that was weird. That was a weird crossover when Negan showed up in the club, and it's very strange. It is, as we discussed, though, it is an interesting world in which where that could possibly yeah. be a thing. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing in Atlanta. No, not by a long shot. All right, well, we'll move on from Atlanta to the good place. Uh, season one, episode seven, The Eternal Shriek. And uh, this is a show that I watched the first four episodes and I was like, nope, I don't get it. This show's not working for me. Uh, I don't understand what it is that everybody loves about this show. I mean, other than Kristen Bell. <laughs> like, but And so it was on both of your lists. So I was like, oh, there's only been three more episodes since then. I'll catch up. So I watched the next three episodes. And I'm in the same place. I still don't get it. I don't think it's funny. So I'm interested to see, uh, Mike, what's, what do you like about The Good Place and why, why is it still on your list? Why are you still watching it? Oh, well, yeah, we're definitely coming from two opposite ends uh, concerning The Good Place. This is my favorite new network show. I love everything Ditto. about it. Yeah, from Ted Danson to uh, the, the central conceit, you know, the, the left to center jokes and just the insane concept of it all. Um, but what I'm really liking here is how this show is at both times a critique and a celebration of humanity. And that comes from Mike Shore, the creator. He, he created Parks and Rec. Uh, and that show kind of did the same thing where it highlighted how great uh, humanity could be when people were forced into opposition against the worst of humanity. But here it's a little different where we're being told that maybe some of humanity's worst could become better. Uh, and, and one of the things that's great about humanity is the small stuff. And I love how it celebrates the small stuff, like Ted Danson's character. Uh, in this episode, he's appreciating small stuff, like like ending a conversation with smell you later or just a <laughs> taste of a saltine. I mean, that is a really charming, uplifting way to look at life, just to, to really enjoy the small things or appreciate those things. Um, and I really like that. I mean, Mike Shore... You know, he, he does Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He, he co-created that show, co-created Parks and Rec. He just has a really acerbic wit, but it's also very whimsical. And he, he's really good at creating these worlds where where just really fun stuff happens. And he's kind of, this for me, this is kind of his experimental show, you know, because you have kind of the fantasy sci-fi element. But it's really just about about people and how people relate to each other. And I think it's great. Does anybody know how it's doing ratings-wise? Do we think it's going to last? It is not in a good place. (laughs) Oh, man. It's going to be another better off, Ted. No, because here's the thing. Parks and Rec – now, NBC was a different place, but Parks and Rec won 125 episodes. So I feel like Mike sure has got some cachet over at NBC, and I feel like that will get at least a second season to to try and pick up. Because I'm right there with you on this, Mike. I, I'm kind of shocked to hear that, Jason, that you're not a fan <laughs> because I love this show. I mean, Mike sure create he 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 worked on The Office. He co-created Parks and Rec. He co-created Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he created this show. This guy has created nothing bad. And yeah. I think this has the same uh, structure that, that I like about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Rec where – 
the character, it's a strong ensemble. Like Kristen Bell's great, of course, and uh, Ted Danson's great, of course. But the characters they've created, like Tahani and John Yu and Janet, the, the girl playing Janet is killing it every time. I love that character. And little little bits and pieces. I see other characters in this good place being developed. And I, it's going to be another one like Parks and Rec where they're going to have this deep bench of characters to go to. And the lead characters are all entertaining and bounce off each other. Jean Yu, the the whole thing on the beach this week. Oh, and Chidi. I totally <laughs> forgot about Chidi, who's great. The uh, the whole thing they go to the beach and they go to the button and they're debating of whether or not to to turn off Janet. And then Jean Yu comes up and just kind of is about to just do it. <laughs> it's such a oh, perfect a uh, blending of all the characters. Yeah, uh, I I I laugh a lot at this char- the show. It is definitely my favorite new network show, and. Uh, I think it's um, I think it's just going to get better and better. And I thought this was another great episode. And you know, by the way, the the big ending of this episode yeah. is something I would have thought they would have saved for like end of season. And I'm glad they didn't. I love when a show goes somewhere early in the run and then tries to figure it out. That's so much better than than dragging something out. And I I, I respect that too. Yeah, it's they're almost undoing the the central conceit of the show. You know, which is interesting. Yeah, and that's ballsy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's that's interesting. Although, since they've introduced the other character that also is not supposed to be there, it makes me wonder how many people that are in the good place that he, this good place that he created, are not necessarily yeah. supposed to be there. Are all sort of, kind of, you know, trying to fake their way through it. But I'm as shocked as anybody that I don't like this show. <laughs> and it's not that I don't like it; it's just that for whatever reason I don't find it funny. The one. The one bit that actually that I did find humorous was when he wanted to give her a painting of Frank Caliendo because that was his favorite impressionist. (laughs) That that was fantastic. But that's really deep into the show before you get like one really good thing that I think is is that good. I laughed out loud like the first two minutes of the premiere because you – the first laugh out, laugh out loud joke for me was when Kristen Bell is meeting Ted Danson. He's explaining the whole concept of The Good Place. And then he talks about how there was one stoner who actually got um, the idea of an afterlife correct. <laughs> yes. And, and, the, and, and they thought it was so cool that they have his, he has his picture up in his office. Oh, that was so funny. And yeah. in every episode, there's at least two or three just gut-busting laugh out loud moments for me. And – when I saw the previews for this show, I was like, this looks like a really clever show. It's probably going to be one of those where I'm like sitting back and chuckling on the inside. Like, hmm, that's very clever. But it's really become the opposite. It's become the thing where I just I just laugh out loud every episode. So That's more where I'm at. Is like I go, oh, I see what they were trying to do there. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of clever. But gotcha. I, I don't find – I don't know why. I mean, I don't know if I'm in a weird spot. <laughs> I'm in a weird place that's – you know. <laughs> You're in the bad place right now. But <laughs> for me right now, the show that's doing what apparently this show is doing for you, Mike, is is speechless. That show has at least one, maybe two literal bust out loud laughing moments in every episode. And for me, that's not even happening a lot with you know things like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or other shows that I consider to be like really good. Uh, a lot of a lot of shows tend to be more of the you know you kind of chuckle or it makes you smile that type of stuff but where something comes out of nowhere and you actually bust out laughing that's always a treat and so hey if the good place is doing it for you 
I'm more than, more than happy that you found something that you like. Uh, but I just, for me, I just can't figure out what, why it's not working. Because usually this type of this type of stuff with like the little throwaway lines or the asides or things like that, usually that's my jam. <laughs> you know, like I'm usually yeah uh, into that type of stuff. And I don't know. I've watched seven episodes now, and I've, like I said, I've laughed maybe once, and it, that wasn't even really a full laugh. That was just like. <laughs> I was almost waiting for him to mess up like what kind of imp- <laughs> what was meant by impressionist in in the art world and then when they went with uh Frank Caliendo that was <laughs> that was funny. But yeah, overall I do like that like you guys said that you know she stands up and finally admits, you know, that she's not supposed to be there cuz I think maybe from there it'll be interesting to see like what other mistakes and other things that have gone on or whatever. And, but I'm not quite sure like where, if everybody knows that everybody's not supposed to be there, (laughs) like where does the, you know, where exactly does the comedy come from? The other thing that really bothered me was the episode, uh, that had the cheaty flashback to where he tells the guy with the red boots that they look fantastic. Mm -hmm. Doesn't he not actually speak English? And Kristen Bell's only oh, hearing yeah. it in English because, and so, do flashbacks all like? Are we apparently watching it also in the same place as Kristen Bell that it works for us as well? Oh, as I would assume so. Yeah this 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 is not this is not a show like The Americans where there's going to be ten minutes and extended a Russian. That's not what this show does. <laughs> yeah, but it just threw me off. I went, wait, why is he talking? Why is he not talking in French or whatever uh, he's supposed to, whatever language it is that they set up very clearly in the first episode that he doesn't actually speak and that everybody's actually hearing it, assuming that everybody mostly speaks English. And so that's why you're hearing it in English. But then it made no sense to me why a flashback had him talking in English as well, just as well as he's talking now. Uh, And see, that's the type that's the thing is you can see how. The show's not working for me on the comedy front in such a way where I'm not laughing at stuff. And so I'm spending time nitpicking on little <laughs> on details and things like yeah, that. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to me that that was even in your head. And yeah, that's got the show's just not connecting with you at all. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like it, it's so funny that I don't I didn't even think about that. I mean, I, I get what you're. I understand what you're saying, but I don't care because yeah. the show is so good and funny. You know, it's just a kind of kind of a hand wave thing. I'm trying to remember, I was just talking about some other some other show in a recent episode here that that you know it's like that. Sometimes there's shows that you know it there might actually be some problems, but there's enough of it that you're enjoying that it overcomes the problems and sometimes uh, blinds you to the problems that the show may have or whatever. Because for me, this is sort of showing it on the other side of things when I'm not fully engaged, I'm starting to pick up on other things that are sort of that pull me out even more, you know, like all of a sudden I'm instead of trying to see whether him wearing those red boots and then ultimately getting the boots and (laughs) a pair for himself and all this stuff, instead of laughing at that or whatever, I'm looking at these other things that are pulling me even further out of the show. So so yeah, I I am interested to watch at least one more episode to see like I've watched far enough now that with the reveal <laughs> with her standing up like I do want to see like what they do with that. 
but that's more of a like a like a TV fan research type thing. Like now I've gone far enough that I'm like interested just to see like how they deal with that uh, in the show. But well, at least it's hooked you in some way. <laughs> but I'm not sure that it'll get me past another episode because because like we've talked about already, uh, for me with the amount of shows that there are, I'm I I can't spend more time watching a comedy that's not making me laugh. Here's what you do. I think uh, watching an episode of Kevin Can Wait right before you watch the next episode of The Good Place, and then you'll appreciate it. I can't. I can't second that. Right. No one should watch Kevin Can Wait. I can't back that up. <laughs> I've already. I've watched the first two episodes of Kevin Can Wait. Oh, oh no. man. Well, let's not talk yeah. about that. <laughs> I've seen the first two episodes of Man with a Plan as well. Oh no. And I believe a couple. Of, I think it might have been. Last week's episode of the podcast where my recommendation was, uh, just skip it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we'll move on from the good place to our final destination on this trip, which is Westworld. Season one, episode four, Dissonance Theory. And so we'll start with you, Randy. What You said this is one of your favorite shows on right now. and Absolutely, yeah. What are you thinking about? About Westworld. You know, it's funny. I, I know some people are not as into Westworld. I know like Alan Sepinwall is not uh, is still sort of not sure about it. And I've seen some people who are it is it is a big cast. There's a lot of and they keep introducing characters. They keep introducing plot lines. But I respect the ambition that the show has. And I think it looks beautiful. And I love the I'm not usually the theorizing guy like on my podcast. Grant is the one who goes deep on Lost and Leftovers theories and all that kind of stuff. But I love sort of theorizing about what's actually going on in Westworld and, you know, who's the man in black and what is the company up to and what's the storyline that Ford is introducing. There's so much to dig into on the show. And so you can you can enjoy it on that level or you can just kind of watch it as a fun, violent sci-fi western i think it works on that level too so i am i am all in on this show i love the little little uh ticks we're seeing of like mave uh tanny newton's character i love seeing that character develop more um i i love what ed harris is doing as a man in black i think this is just a a, a phenomenal sci-fi show how about you mike no i completely agree and i think it's funny this episode was called dissonance theory because they put the word theory right in there didn't they in the title <laughs> Because, I mean, there's a huge fan theory culture that's just rising up around this show, which can be kind of fun uh, to participate in, but it can kind of easily turn into a big, dumb mess, depending on where you look and what you read. Yeah, if it turns out to be lost where it doesn't matter what any right. of the theories yeah. are. That, oh, by the way, yeah. that's not the story we were telling. <laughs> yeah. We let you do that. We let you go dive deep in the weeds for many years. <laughs> And then, oh, by the way, that's not really what we were. That no. what was really important, right? But despite all that, I love the show. I like this episode. I've been enjoying the series a lot. Uh, these first four episodes, even though it seems to be about ninety percent mystery and like ten percent actual coherent story and character, but I'm really enjoying this one on a meta level, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Like. Westworld is a show about people creating false narratives about real people intermingling with non-real characters in a narrative and becoming attached to them on a certain level. So there's so many layers. I think it's hard not to watch this show 
and think about your own motivations for watching TV and to think about your ideas and expectations about not just the conventions of Western or sci-fi genres, but the conventions of TV dramas in general. I think that's part of the fun. It's a story about telling a story and about why we watch stories and what would happen if those stories really adapted to us and came back to life. And and it's just so strange, you know, watching this show. It's It hits me on so many different levels. Um, I think it's part of the fun. I feel like there are so many layers on this show that even even when I can't tell where the story is going or why a certain development may or may not be important, I'm still really plugged in and entertained by the ambition of the show. Um, that's not to say that I'll forgive it if all this doesn't pay off, because I do want a cohesive story with a certain amount of payoff. Uh, so we'll see. But But it's a gorgeous show. All the acting's great. Um, I'm really invested in it right now. I think it's great. What do you think, Jason? For me, I'm I'm enjoying it. I mean, like you said, it's it's beautifully shot. You could just watch it on because you like the scenery <laughs> on on yeah. one level. Uh, but like you said, the acting's all great. Not always sure like what's happening. I did like things, you know, like Maeve opening up the floorboard and. And finding that this is not the first time she's drew this picture and 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 remembering, you know, having been shot, you know, some of that that type of stuff. But then, like you mentioned about the ever growing like characters and things like that and, and some of that stuff, like when the man in black gets the finds out the name Wyatt, you know, is mentioned and and he's like, oh, and then I was like, wait, am I supposed to know that name? Wait, where's that? Right. <laughs> I, was like, I think that sounds familiar, but who is Wyatt? Why should I know Wyatt? Who, what's happening there? And so some of that stuff is is uh, where it's almost too much at times where I've lost a thread because there's so many. And so there, there's things like that where, you know, it takes me out of it a little bit where I'm like, wait, I need to. I need to like pause this right now and find out who the heck Wyatt is, because apparently I should know this because it wouldn't have been like readily recognizable to him. You know, th- those types of things are. So you didn't watch the previously on? Well, I think I did. <laughs> I, I think I did, but still, it just didn't. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't yeah. sink in, or maybe I fast forwarded through the previously on gotcha. when, I, when I watched it. But but when I got to that point, I was like, wait. That name sounds familiar, but why do I not? Why am I not recognizing it right now? And it it may be just because, like, I don't know. I guess I'm more invested in certain in certain characters at uh, at the present time, and you're sort of like watching. Uh, the other thing that that I'm interested in, and I'm not quite sure of, it sort of throws me off a little bit, is when he's having the conversations with Dolores. When are these conversations happening? Yeah. Oh well, that's that's deliberate. I mean, you've heard you've heard all the theories about the timelines being a little off, right? I mean, I think they're deliberately not giving us where everything fits because they're going to give us a mid-season big splash reveal all of that. But it, it's right now it's throwing me off in the like because like the episode ends with her falling into the arms of the guys at you know off on the bounty hunt, and then it opens up 
and she's having a discussion and then it goes back and she's out there and you're like, okay, so when exactly was this conversation? Like, was this before this? Was this after this? Because at, at first it's, it seemed like it was taking place at the same time. He would have this conversation and then send her back out and then, you know, she would wake up in her loop uh, again the next day or something. And so, yeah, there's stuff like that that's that's throwing me a little bit off too. Yeah, but like Randy said, that's that's deliberate. You know, we're meant to wonder. I, I hope so. Is, is that <laughs> are those are those in the past? Is Jeffrey Wright's character somehow jacking into uh, her mind? You know, and doing these things. Uh, what's going on? And that's the kind of stuff that pulls me in and makes me try to untangle these mysteries. You know, I'm, I'm liking that. And you know, there are tons of characters on this show, but it's not. For me, I'm not having trouble keeping up with all the different characters and what, what their motivations are and what their plot lines are. I'm kind of enjoying following everybody, even though everybody seems to have their own agenda and their own plan. Yeah, I am interested to find out what the new storyline that includes needing to use a big piece of machinery to, <laughs> to dig a giant hole and to apparently tear down old set pieces and things, you know, like what he has in mind. Yeah, and where everybody is not on the same page. I'm interested to find out, like, what is the company, like, finding out that the, you know, that I'm blanking on their character names, but Jimmy Simpson and the other guy. Yeah, Will Will and his brother-in-law, yeah. That they're actually apparently from the company or have some ownership, you know, or something, and they're, they're there, like, checking things, sort of checking things out. It's not just a, necessarily a vacation or whatever. Like the one guy says, everything's, you know, business or what have you. So it was interesting finding things like that out, that they're not just a couple of guys that are, you know, one guy's just a jerk that's been there a bunch of times. And, you know, he brought his sort of friend uh, that he, you're still the whole well, time yeah. going like, why is this guy hanging out with this guy? Well, and that's the thing. That's what, that's what I like about Westworld, the way they parse a lot of information like that yeah. is that we first meet them and it's like, oh, this guy must be like a work friend. They don't really like each other. Then in the next episode with them, it's revealed that he's his future brother-in-law. Then the next episode that's revealed that they both work for the company or that, you know, at least he's marrying into the company maybe. And so these little layer reveals, like they're definitely playing it slow on every character arc. And I could see where that'd be immensely frustrating for some people. For me, it is right. My speed. I'm loving it. I think so too. I feel the same way. I think they're parceling out the information at a really nice pace that, that keeps you engaged but not frustrated. Like they're kind of finding that perfect line for me, you know, because they don't want to overwhelm you because there's a lot of information to drop in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And what this is, uh, Jonathan Nolan, I I didn't see person of interest, but I, of course I've seen all the Christopher Nolan films that he's worked on. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really thinking this is going to be one of the best shows, uh, HBO's done in, in several years because they've been, you know, kind of hit and miss with their new shows over the past several years, but that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's definitely a lot there, and I agree there is enough, like, in each episode. Like I said, the, you know, the finding out that Maeve has drawn the, you know, the guys that come out and, you know, do the cleanup before type of thing, and finding out that the the Native Americans with inside the storyline that somehow is that's worked into their religion uh, and this whole of people between two worlds and, and things I thought was interesting. And then finding out about the company connection with these other ones, there's at least like one 
you know, little nugget that they drop in in a couple of different storylines in each episode that you go, oh, okay, and it makes you start, you know, noodling other other types of things about like what's you know what's going on so far. But so I'm I'm definitely on board to uh, you know keep watching. Cool. So yeah, so we've got uh, we're sort of we're sort of mixed on a couple of shows, but we're sort of all on board on things like Atlanta and Westworld and Brooklyn Nine Nine. And we're all enjoying the flash on if you don't think about it too much level. <laughs> and with that, we'll move on to the from the primetime segment to our TV recommendations. And uh, Mike, what's what's your recommendation? Oh, well, I was going to recommend the new season of Black Mirror on Netflix, but I have not had time to watch it. It premiered Friday, but you know what? I'm going to recommend that anyway. Go watch it. I'm also going to recommend Luke Cage on Netflix. The latest Marvel TV show, I finally got a chance to watch the entire thing, to finish the entire thing, uh, the first season, and I was very satisfied with it. I think it's really good. Uh, Jessica Jones is probably my favorite Marvel show, but this is right, you know, this is really good. I'm not sure if it's as good as Daredevil, because uh, season two I thought was pretty strong, but it is pretty damn good show. And I'm also doing a podcast about it, the Marvel TV podcast, which you can find at TVI on Marvel. It's actually called, you can actually visit uh, marveltvpodcast.com and we're covering Luke Cage on that podcast. But uh, even if I wasn't, I would be recommending this show because it's it's really solid. So far, I've only listened to the first episode of you guys talking about Luke Cage. And I was waiting until you finished up and you recorded all of them before I listened to the rest of them because I had already watched the whole show. Yes. And I I was just... Everything, uh, not Nate, but the other co-host you have on for the, you know, to talk about Luke Cage. Martin. Yeah, Martin. Every every problem that he had with the series after only watching, well, he had watched a, f- a few episodes farther, but you were only talking about the first episode in that one. Most every problem that he had with it, I was like, uh, but if you just wait till the end, none of those things. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about a char- the character that you want to see. He doesn't show up until the end of this. We're developing that guy. You know, <laughs> all of the all exactly. of these different things that you that he was saying why he didn't like it. I was like, oh, just wait. <laughs> yeah, we're we're past the halfway mark, and he's definitely coming around. He's definitely coming around, and yeah, it does. It is a show. I think that pro- gets better as it progresses. So yeah, because the Cage. character of Luke Cage that he wanted to see, I go, I go. Well, it doesn't make sense in the Luke Cage that they've set up here to have that character yet because he's trying to stay out of sight. So you can't be super loud and brash. Uh, when you're trying to stay off the radar, yeah. uh, but it sort of starts to come that, that direction uh, a little bit. And there was a couple other characters that he mentioned that he didn't like their take on him. And I was like, boy, till the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But with that, uh, Randy, can you give us uh, your recommendation? Yeah, uh, real quick. I um, if you have Amazon Prime and if you like uh, sort of dark romantic comedies that are they're romantic, but they're about terrible people, but they're still funny and they still have a heart. Uh, I recommend two, which is You're the Worst, which is an FXX show. It's going into its third season right now. I think the first one or two is on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's my favorite show on television by far. I really love it. It's really funny. It's really dark. It's this interesting you know story about a, a guy and a girl who meet and sort of have a relationship based on hating each other's exes and it's about their their two friends and it sort of builds from there into an ensemble story about 20 somethings in LA 
dating and not really knowing how to be grown ups in relationships, even though they're kind of being forced into it. It's really funny. It's really acidic and dark, and I love it. And the other one is Catastrophe, which is uh, Sharon Horgan, who is doing a divorce for HBO right now. She co-created and co-stars in the show, and it's about a uh, an American businessman who goes to England and has a one-night stand with a woman. She gets pregnant, and so they decide to make a go of it. It's really funny and really interesting, and it has like short little six-episode seasons, and it's a co-production with, I think, BBC or maybe Channel 4 and Amazon, and really, really funny stuff. Those are two great shows. Yeah, Catastrophe's on my list as, as one to check out that I haven't gotten to yet. So yeah, there's a couple of recommendations for uh, some things to check out. And as always, we'll have links uh, to where you can find more about those, as well as the news stories we talked about, and also where you can find and listen to both Mike and Randy in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 345. And next week, Amory will be back with me, and our guest will be uh, Sista K from the SistaSpeakProductions.com. Uh, they're talking about uh, things like Walking Dead and uh, a few other shows like Game of Thrones and things when they're on. They almost do kind of what you're doing now with focusing on just Luke Cage for a little bit and then going about uh, onto the... They're also like talking about Queen Sugar right now. And nice. uh, and uh, and a few other shows. So uh, she'll be on to to join us next week, and then Amory will be back from her trip to Chicago, where she's visiting all the sets. They're doing a one Chicago press day, uh, so she's visiting all the Chicago show sets along with a bunch of others, uh, including the new Chicago Justice. I already saw a picture of her posted uh, where she got to be a judge uh, with uh, Carl Weathers in the as the DA. So I'm sure she'll have plenty of good stories to, uh, to convey from that next week as well. And uh, again, thank you, Mike and Randy for joining me on episode 345. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you.